The Shape of the Sword, sometimes translated as to the form of the sword by Jorge Luis Borges, coming up today. Another brain twister of, oh, I saw it coming, but not really. You broke my brain again. You know, Borges himself claimed that this was nothing but a trick story. I don't know if I believe him, because there's a lot here when we talk about like idealism, politics. It almost felt like a little bit of a love letter to James Joyce, too. I don't know if you know this, but in the book yes. of Kells Room, it totally has a Jorge Luis Borges quote on Joyce there. Like mm. when, when I was listening to this, I actually had to look and see. I'm like, wait a minute. Is is this did I grab the wrong one? Is this Joyce? Uh, and I was like, oh, wow. It felt so Joycean. At its mm-hmm. core, and I loved it, and maybe that's why it's such a fantastic story. Yeah. Well, there's a lot here because you've got a frame narrative in what, like a six-page short story, at least in the collection that, that I'm reading here. But at the same time, you have narrator confusion. You have these uh, ideas of patriotism coming out like in a time where it probably is a pretty big thing to be talking about, like, oh, this acute thing. It's not just patriotism. There's something to be said about how Borges can take so many ideas, the infinite of ideas, and somehow boil them down to this single plane of glass that's delivered to the reader. But I think that, for me, I don't know, did you read the story twice? Because it does feel very different when you read it in one pass-through, where you're thinking it's an Irishman telling you the story, and then you find out at the end there's the twist that it's really Vincent Moon. And then when you read it the second time, and you realize that Vincent Moon, and think about how Vincent Moon is the one telling you this story. Like the the two experiences were very different for me. I read it the first time, and I listened to it while driving around for work the second time, and I felt like I was able to kind of compartmentalize what he was saying throughout the story. It'd be like, okay, he's talking about himself here, basically kind of in the third person, and I was able to grasp a lot more concepts because it, it for a six page story, fifteen minute listen to. It crams a lot in there. There's character development. There's a great plot. There's, you know, almost like this existential crisis of self. Uh, There's politics. You could probably even squeeze out some economic issues in here as well for Ireland at the time, you know, with the the war going on. There's just so much. And I definitely think this is one that you will enjoy more and more with several pass throughs. Well, the way the story is told, the first time you pass through it, even just the narration shift where it goes from the framed story of Borges being like, oh, I'm staying at this guy's house, the Englishman at La Colorada, but he's actually Irish. And then it shifts to this first person narrative from the Irishman. I, I'll say that it's Vincent Moon. And you don't even realize until later on that it's Vincent Moon, right? That shift is very jarring to begin with, with what is ultimately, like you said, a lot of different things blending together. And we have some quotes in this story where it talks about, here, I'll pull it up real quick. Whatever one man does, it is as though all men did it. That is why it is not unfair that a single act of disobedience in a garden should contaminate all humanity. That is why it is not unfair that a single Jew's crucifixion should be enough to save it. Schopenhauer may have been right. I am other men. Any man is all men. Shakespeare is somehow the wretched John Vincent Moon. And I think we need to explore this a little bit about how, you know, on some level, there is a very easy way to boil this down that at times we're Jesus of a figure of 
sacrificing, giving for others, being all good, being benevolent, a savior. Out. Yeah. 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 Like we've all been this felt like a savior at some point, sticking up or doing something that's right. But at the same time, many of us, come on, people, sometimes you're the Judas, right? Selling out, <laughs> taking the easy answer, taking that Judas quick money. Uh, there is something to be said about that universality where we all go through similar experiences on some level. I think it's like that philosophy of duality that we all are connected in some way that I am you and you are me. And that moon is telling this story kind of in that same venue of that. He is the Englishman and the Irishman because of what is portrayed about him at one end and maybe who he truly is on the other. You can be both the oppressor and the oppressed at different points in time, even, you know, yes. Did you, uh, the first time I read it, you know, oh my gosh, is he English? Is he Irish? And then they start talking about the communism and stuff like that. And, and they talk about the man from Munster and I, it didn't click to me that it was one of the four regions of Ireland at first. Like for the first few sentences, I was like, oh, he's from Germany. I I don't know why, but (laughs) this is where my (laughs) mind went. Well, the name comes from Germany, right? And even then they talk. Well, and they talked about how he brought, um, was it materialism? He was talking about, you know, the communism, we're just atoms, there's no such thing as God, you you silly Catholic sort of type of mentality. You had, I had confusion, even identity on some level for him to begin with. And for him to come in and say, hey, this, this John Vincent Moon guy came, he was an invertebrate. Right. He was scared to fight. Oh, I have spasms in my back from a, a bear, <laughs> barely being nicked injury. What do you think is the deal with how Vincent Moon, who's telling the story in third person of Vincent Moon about how he's such a coward? Oh, he believed in, you know, history could be boiled down to a single economic conflict. Like he's almost belittling himself in some regards. Like, how did you take that? I think it's almost looking for sympathy. You know how if you belittle yourself, if you downplay yourself, people are like, oh, no, no, it's okay. You know, it. well, I mean, you had, you know, bone spurs. You you, you couldn't, you know, or, uh, you know, it's he if he self-deprecates, then somebody feels sorry for him. Do you think he regrets who he was on any level? Like, like you know, sometimes you can look back on your past and, I don't know, you just you just dwell on like this decision. You're like, why did I do that? Like, like whether you're Judas or whatever, you regret some decision. Do you think there's any regret on, on his past? Yes, I I definitely do. And I think that's because moon has changed as a person. I think that he has become better. I think that he realizes his mistakes and that if he had made different choices, maybe other people wouldn't have lost their lives. Maybe he could have made a difference and he didn't. He let, he let the status quo stay in, in Ireland, and I, I think that he has those regrets, and he's trying to you know profess his sins. I mean, there's such a religious undertone to this story. I think that he's trying to get it out there so maybe he can forgive himself if someone else forgives him first. Do you think there's anything to be said about his boiling down of conflict to an economic thing with the fact that he economically sold out his friend? He, t- he took the Judas money and all? Yeah, that's the thing is, is when when you look at the economic part of this and the governmental part of it that's where communism comes into play because it's so much more than just one or the other it is so engrossed to 
so many aspects of of a country's identity and life. Communism is always given kind of this bad rap, and I think that it is kind of taking a negative turn here. That that Judas money is kind of related to you know maybe capitalism in a way that you're 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 self serving. That he wants that money for himself, where if he hadn't, he would have been, you know, the good communist and, you know, had it been for everybody. So I I don't know. It can be hard. I agree. It can be hard to kind of like articulate, right? Because at first when he mentioned revolution with the big R, I was like, okay, he's talking, he's talking about the Irish revolution, right? Like about how we're trying to gain freedom, be be an independent state from England, but I don't know, for some reason, when he kept talking about comrade, I'm like, wait, he's not. I mean, this is post Russian revolution. Could he be talking about that? And then there's the materialism where I'm like, oh, well, maybe he's talking about the Enlightenment with like the French Revolution. And I don't think necessarily Borges was going for that. But, you know, when we think about that idea about how all men can be connected with, with these experiences and how we can all be a Judas, we could all be a Jesus. You know, there's something to be said about how the the totalitarian government in, in all these situations in terms of like the czar of Russia or we talked about the monarchy in, in the bourbon uh, for uh, for France, you know, and now we're talking about how, oh, well, Dublin is kneeling to the English crown, you know, something that Joyce frequently wrote about. You can see some similarities where those who suffer tend to be those who stand up for revolution, right? And you can see how that people all crave power and almost create some of that oppressive environment, not to say everybody is a czar and such like that. But you you get this feeling of like this cyclical nature, this eternality about how everything's connected. And, and it's really, really interesting to think about from the Borges story here, where the guy specifically takes on that coward role. He takes on the, the power role, even too, where he talks about how like he was trying to, you know, I- idealize like the politic the, the politics of what Ireland should be and such. Um, there, there's kind of like this push pull almost with power and uh, kind of like a Marxist thought, I guess, in a sense. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's good. I like that as well. The Marxist idea. If we look at Borges himself, he was anti-communist and this story is drenched in communism of that idea that communism is one for all and all for one and the story is that we are all the same people and i think that he's trying to maybe point out the way i interpret it is that sometimes that doesn't work because to your point somebody will take the judas silver people are selfish we are not altruistic we we look out for ourselves, whether that's you know money, food, spouses, whatever you know, and and we we covet those other things. And I think that Moon covered coveted those other things that he wanted for himself, and he regrets that. And we see this philosophy breakdown of you know Borges giving his idea of maybe communism won't work for the Irish, and Moon is our example of that. Yeah, I wonder. You know, if we all have to learn that lesson, like if we have to be the Judas to experience regret, <laughs> there's something about being that wild person in order to become the tame person. I don't know if I did. I see the communism route there as well, but I also see it from like an experiential standpoint of like, of like almost like needing to go through all the different like rumspringer years in order to appreciate, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like living the more aesthetic lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, well, you you just mentioned a moment ago that suffering can lead to change, 
and maybe not always, but not that I'm not explaining myself well, not that change is always subsequent because of suffering and suffering always leads to change, but there is a lot of connectivity there and that being, being the Judas is, is suffering, right? You, you put your hand on the hot plate, you burn yourself, pain, suffering, you've learned a lesson. And I, I think that that is something that all of us have to go through to, to, to grow is you are going to suffer at some point. And I know we're getting a little bit into our nihilism, you know, and, and suffering, but that, isn't that true? I, I want to go back to your idea too, because like, I feel like I don't want to just, <laughs> I don't want to just focus on this idea too, but like, I do like your, I've been sitting here in the back of my head. It's, I've been wrestling with this idea that you've talked about how this could be more political than I guess when I initially read it. And, and I'm sitting here thinking about, well, what if, what if we did think Joyce wrote this? Like, what if I handed this story to you and I said, James Joyce wrote this, right? And first of all, it'd be a little tricky, right? I don't, usually I don't think of James oh. Joyce as someone who tricks you. But if we look at just the political side, you got a, a people talking about change. But as soon as they're hurt, they won't push for it. Like they give up almost in a sense. And you've got like, Moon's interpretation of the Irishman, which I don't know if the Irishman was even a real person. Was it completely invented for the story? Or was there actually an Irishman that Moon had met and had gone through these things? And he too is faded away based on injury and his inability to make change. So just like a James Joyce story, in the pol on, the, on the politics side, we have a bunch of people that are unable to actually influence or make change. If we were making this into a movie, a limited series, three or four episodes, something for Netflix or Amazon, I think that we would probably take the idea and run with it for that, that there is no Irishman and that Moon took the idea of an Irishman or James Joyce reinterpretation of Borges, Irishman Moon, <laughs> following along with me. And oh, yeah. easily, yeah. We, <laughs> and we would take that idea of that he just fabricated this story to deal with his own sins of what he thought an Irishman would be. Oh, I love that. That is brilliant. I, I don't know, man. Every time we read a Borges, I just get more and more excited about him. There's something about Argentinian literature we just covered, you know, Cortazar here a second ago that like. It's just, there's so much for us to explore out there in this country, I tell you. Yeah, it's good stuff. Never go wrong with Borges. So read it once, listen to it twice, digest and break your brain three times. <laughs> Jorge Luis Borges playlist down below for other talks that we've had of him. We're working our way through Ficciones and Labyrinths, whether, whatever collection you're going through. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. See you on the next one. Peace. Peace. <laughs>